0: What's up, you creepy fucks? It's your boy, BP. And welcome to the new episode of the Let's Talk Horror podcast. Let's talk horror. Stan Winston, Rick Baker, Dick Smith, Rob Botting, Tom Savini, Jack Pierce, Chris Wallace, Canobie Studios. Who the fuck are all those people, you ask? I'm about to fucking tell you. So if you don't know who these amazing people are, you're in luck. Because I'm just about to school you on this shit. These are just some of the amazing names, and I mean just some, that have helped create horror as it is, behind the scenes, working on all the special effects. Without them, and all these people to put in the hard work, we wouldn't have such memorable films, such memorable scenes, and such memorable effects. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode. I want to shine a light on some... Of these people that have helped create some of the most amazing scenes that I have ever seen and that we have ever seen. And it wouldn't have been possible without their amazing, amazing work. And I'm just going to jump straight into it with Jack Pierce. So I'm going to start real early in the world of special effects in horror. Jack Pierce worked on Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Wolfman, Bride of Frankenstein, all those classic universal monsters. So he originally tried to be an actor, mostly played a villain, and he trained himself in the art by working on himself for the roles to add character. But he got a deal after doing effects on a film called The Monkey Talks with Universal, and the rest is quite literally history. Still to this day, his iconic work on The Wolfman, Frankenstein, among all the other films he did, and those classic Universal monsters, are some of the first images I ever think of when we have discussions about these types of films. He's a, he was a visionary in his field at the time, uh, whose name will always be up there with the greats, as his work is a big part as to what helped those legendary monsters and helped horror and the effects in, in these films become what they are for the future. And then we have Dick Smith, whose most notable film for me and most people out there will be his work on The Exorcist. So The Exorcist is another early film in regards to the evolution of horror films. And it is one of the greatest of all time. And I don't just mean in that genre. I mean in films in general. The film was groundbreaking and so were its effects. It was ahead of its time. And all aspects of the film just worked so well together to help it become the classic that it is. You know, The Exorcist for me is still an incredible watch. I watch it quite a lot. And it's still one of my personal favourites. But it still feels so fresh when I watch it. You know, when you take away the you know the clothes and the decor and the things that do make it stand out quite clearly to be a 70s movie. Um, but the directing by William Freakin, who obviously at the time was a documentary uh, director, managed to fully understand the pace and the anarchy of the film. But all the bits that you remember, like the head-turning scene, the crucifix scene, which is properly fucked up you know all of the scenes in it they are you know full-on top effects and we have dick smith and his team around to thank for that and i think the reason why a lot of people have always said that this film was ahead of its time is because most of the people who watch it now forget that it was made in the 70s and how they managed to achieve what they did back then is insane Dick Smith has always been known as the godfather in special effects. One of the things he helped to do on The Exorcist is help create smaller foam latex prosthetics. Uh, That means that you can sort of capture a better, more real performance on an actor or an actress. And this is still used to this day, and that's how influential as a special effects artist Dick Smith was. And also, if you ever have seen the film Scanners uh, by David Cronenberg, he also helped uh, create the effect of the exploding head. Um, and he did that by filling a prosthetic head with rabbit liver and dog food and blowing the absolute shit out of it. Um, to out, you know, it created the effect, which once again is such an iconic image in film and pop culture. You know, Dick Smith is another legend of film and special effects. And then we move on to Chris Wallace, another name you might not know, but you should do. Uh, but you will definitely know the amazing work that he's done. One of the really cool things with Chris Wallace is he actually worked with Dick Smith on scanners and helped with all the effects uh, when he was starting out. And also he did the face melting bit in Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark, which still obviously to this day is an iconic piece uh, of cinema. But in regards to horror, his standouts and his most notable work would be with David Cronenberg and his work on The Fly, which is an amazing film. You know, all the aspects are incredible. The directing, the story, and the amazing performances, especially from old Jeffers Goldblum. But it would be nothing without the special effects to help them tell that story. The creature effects on the fly are still, to this day, some of the best around. You know, and you watch it, uh, and the experience is just made a million times better, uh, all by his contributions to that movie. And I don't know if I'm the only one but somehow, even though you know the final transformation of, of Jeff Goldblum's character and it's so sort of disgusting and messed up at the end, somehow he managed to to bring life to that to that monster, so to speak, at the end. And his eyes, and you know when he essentially you know he's he's trying to get Gina Davis to to kill him, and it's such a sad moment. But if the effects in that were shit you wouldn't give a fuck. And that's all credit to Chris Wallace and his team. But then you have one of his most famous and also most notably one of the most difficult contributions to special effects at that time would be his hard work in designing the characters for Gremlins. Now like a lot of people, Gremlins is is one of my favourite films of all time. You know, and you can enjoy that film all year round and I don't give a fuck. Yes, it is a Christmas movie as well. As much as Die Hard is. But that film is another indication um, as to how important and integral the people who work on the special effects are to these types of movies. Because, I mean, we could have never had Gremlins if they couldn't figure out how they were going to do it. And they would have never looked the way that they had looked in the movie if they didn't figure that out. You know, everything happens for a reason in these movies and it's all down to these people's hard work. And Chris Wallace really put in the time for Gremlins. And once again, like I mentioned with The Fly, what he managed to do is create these characters, but shows, you know, help them show so much emotion um, that. They bring on their own character and you can see that, you know, fundamentally in in Gremlins in so many scenes that they can deal with the light-hearted element, but then they also deal with the darker side of the story as well. And he manages to find that balance so well in pretty much all the work that he's done. So next time you watch The Fly or Gremlins or any of, you know, the work that Chris Wallace has done, you know, think about how hard him and his team had to work to not only create these effects, but help create them to evolve the film and, and help the characters. Because, you know, at that point, they're not real people, but yet you're still having a, a form of human emotion for them or against them. You know, he's a legend. So then we have Rick Baker. Now, a lot of people actually do know about Rick Baker. And though he's not exclusively to horror You know, he has won a shit ton of Oscars. Uh, But for me, you know, once again, and through horror films, most notably, he did his best work on American Werewolf in London. This film, you know, is a great film. But the effects, once again, are what help make this film stand out. You know, back then, it was like something people had never seen before and still to this day stand up and look absolutely insane. Take, for example, the scene in the hospital uh, where his mate, who I've always called old flappy face, you know, he comes back from the dead, uh, you know, and his face is all mashed up to shit, and you know, it's all fucking cut up, and there's so much depth to the the makeup, the prosthetics that they use, it just looks fucking gross. But that's the point of it, you know, it's sort of... uh, you know start you a, a bit because you know those those sort of scenes in the film come very few and often uh, and it was just like there straight away uh, it's you know very very in your face but it works so well but when you think of that film <laughs> the main thing you really think about is the werewolf transformation and it it's in it's so good in that film that to this day it probably is the best on-screen transformation of all time it's just so well directed but it once again you can't direct it without having the amazing work and the amazing effects there for them to be able to to work with and that's what rick baker helped manage to create you know that entire scene is a you know a culmination of everyone's hard work but how good does that well look still it's just such an amazing scene you can feel the pain through the prosthetics and it's just incredible, and it is really one of those worthy um, entries into the horror genre. And one of the really cool things about Rick Baker is that he was actually an assistant working on The Exorcist movie, which is, you know, so cool, and... um you know, he's gone on to win Oscars, like I said, and he's been in so many different types of genre. But for me, American Werewolf in London is a great film, but it's a special effects driven film, and he is such an integral part of it as much as the actors and the directors are. Tom Savini, Dawn of the Dead, Friday the 13th, Maniac, Creepshow. You know, he's a legend of horror off-screen and on, and probably one of the most recognisable faces in regards to special effects. He's a man that you go to if you want the extra sense of realism to add to your film, especially when it comes to excessive gore. And his story and how he started out is very, very interesting, because he used to be a combat photographer in the Vietnam War. And what he has said is that this helped him understand death, at a visual level as well as on an emotional level and it helps him bring that extra sense of realism to his work and what he likes to do as a special effects artist is work directly on top of an actor or an actress's and their face um, to sort of to create something that feels more real and that's one thing he prides himself on. And this does really show through, uh, you know, if you look at his filmography, when you see films like Dawn of the Dead and Friday the 13th, which are considered not just classics, and they've spawned franchises, but it's the realism of the kills and the gore, no matter how far-fetched they are or otherworldly that they feel, you know, he brings it back to the realities through his effects, you know, which really makes the films once again stand out and feel harsher and feel more real. You know, you you have a lot of films where they have zombie effects and they don't feel, you know, real and they sort of take you out of the film. Whereas a lot of his effects that he's done, where he builds it upon the actors and the actresses themselves, you know, it becomes part of them and part of the character. Um, And he he does some incredible work and he always has done. And one thing that's cool about Tom Savini is that he also loves getting killed in any of the movies that he works on then we move on to an absolute legend of the film industry special effects and everything he's done with stan winston the terminator films predator jurassic park aliens edward scissorhands he's another master of his craft you know most of those films i mentioned you know they're not all horror but you can't mention special effects without talking about stan winston with a career spanning over 40 years. um, You know, he worked with some of the biggest directors of all time, creating some of the biggest effects that everyone remembers from some of the biggest films of all time. And, he, you know, he's one of the most beloved special effects artists that's ever been, uh, and rightly so, because his work is so important to any movie that he works on. And he's one of the best, and that's why they would always try and go to him. And I think that's because one of Stan Winston's main goals was to never hinder, he was only there to help enhance performance and a film and take it to the next level. And if we're not going to talk about his amazing work on Jurassic Park or the Terminator films or the work he did on the Queen Alien in Aliens, for me a standout will always be his work on The Predator. And if Stan Winston never got involved in The Predator, we would have never got this classic Arnold Schwarzenegger line. Because in reality, it probably would have said something like, more like, you are one ugly mother grasshopper, or fucking praying mantis," or whatever it was. Because originally, that that's what was going to happen. They didn't have Stan Winston at the start of the movie. And the predator to be, and I'm not joking, was going to be like a giant fucking insect. And funny enough, that was going to be played by Jean-Claude Van Damme inside a giant ass suit. And they actually filmed so much footage of it, and the footage is out there. You can see it, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But what happened is that they realised it looked shit. And not just shit, it was like proper shit. And and it just didn't work. So they got Stan the Man in to sort it the fuck out. And he delivered his own type of Van Damage on set. And worked his magic, and made the Predator the iconic character he is. But it was no longer played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. They, They just booted him out of there, they didn't need him anymore. I mean, to this day, you know, The Predator has is, is spawned fran- uh, you know, a franchise and so many films. But I genuinely believe that so much of that is because of the iconic look that Stan Winston made for that movie. If he didn't get involved, we wouldn't have The Predator looking the way that it does. And how important to cinema is that decision that he made to get involved and create the character that he has? It's, it's mental and he deserves all the credit that he gets. And I know there's one thing that you're probably all thinking that I'm saying The Predator is a horror film. And do you know what? I don't give a fuck. Because it is. I think it is. And some other people do as well. So deal with it. But in regard to Stan Winston, he's an absolute legend in special effects. Uh, and, you know, one of the greatest that there's ever been. And sadly, Stan Winston is no longer around uh, to help create even more masterpieces that he did and help cinema progress in regards to special effects. But look at the catalogue that he left behind. Um, You know, what an absolute living legend. Nicotero, Turo, Kurtzman, Berger, Berger, don't know how to pronounce their names, but they are the founders of K B Studios. Yeah, sure, they all have their individual success as well, but working together, they did films like The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and The Army of Darkness. So basically, like that trilogy. You know, they've worked with everyone, but with credentials like theirs, you know, who would deny them the chance to work at what they do and do such a good job at it. Now, I make the assumption that you've seen the Evil Dead trilogy, uh, and if you haven't, what's wrong? What's fucking wrong with you? (laughs) But... (laughs) But... If you haven't, you need to because they're some of the most influential films on horror. Uh, and and uh, films in general, they're just an incredible films. The first one's more of a horror. The second one's a bit more you know, of a comedy horror. The third one's more of a comedy horror sort of action. They're all great, but once again, special he- effects, heavy-driven films. So these films are obviously expertly crafted by Sam Raimi and brilliantly acted by Sir Bruce Campbell. He's not a sir. But what would these films be without the effects? Another film way ahead of its time. Disgusting, gory, but they made these films fun and enjoyable and properly fucked up to watch on another level. And they helped cement the Evil Dead films to some of the best around with their incredible range of effects. And also, because of their effects, they managed to get the film banned. That's how messed up it all was. But, you know, the films, once again, will not be... Uh, as influential uh, as they are without these incredible effects that they used in the movie so at some point I will actually talk about on these podcast films individually and Evil Dead films and the franchise itself that is built uh, it's going to be you know one of the main ones I'll talk about but in regards to the special effects in those movies you know it. it it's so important and so integral to the driving of the story, not just Sam Raimi's directing and the acting, but everything about it is just, you know, screams out gore and blood. And, and the way that it's done, you know, wouldn't be created or create the world that it has without the effects. And we can only thank K&B for that. And because of films like The Evil Dead, they built up a range of different ways of doing multiple different effects. And that means that they got to work on some of the later uh, films of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, the Halloween films. Uh, and they also played harbour with Rob Reiner so they could help do the effects for one of the most fucked up scenes I've ever seen in, in any film ever. And that was when they smashed James Cant's ankles in. Which, which is messed up. If you've never seen Misery, you need to see it. Or just go to YouTube and type in, like, Misery ankle-breaking scene, because, you know, if you watch that, you'll probably instantly be sick. Uh, don't blame me, just make sure you've got a bucket ready, because it's, it, that's fucked up, that scene. But they played hardball with him, they wanted to do it, he said no, but then they did it anyway. And it looks amazing. So since uh, 2003, Kurtzman left can studios to obviously pursue his uh, special effects career on his own uh, but greg nicotero he's uh, gone on to do some of the effects in one of probably the biggest program on tv for the last what decade i'm guessing and that's the walking dead um but they are three legends who have worked on the effects in these films for a long long time and once again deserve the credit Um, that they may not necessarily get or the fame that they don't necessarily get because once again they are an integral part of driving these films and making them what they are and making them stand out and the last person I'm going to talk about and definitely not least is Rob Bottin and there's a reason I chose him last So he was actually the apprentice to Rob Baker and founder of the Hollywood special effects company. And he was actually working on sets uh, and different types of effects from the age of 14, which is mad. One of the most notable directors that he's worked with would be the legendary John Carpenter. And he also did his own werewolf transformation, uh, rivaling the American werewolf in London one. Um, and I think it's still really good. It's not quite as, as good or as standout, but once again, it's amazing and an amazing piece of work um, and craftsmanship to actually be able to do what he did. But the reason I saved him till last is because for me, all that matters is his work on one of the greatest films of all time, and that is his work on The Thing. So The Thing is another film I'm not going to go into much detail about because I'm purely just talking about the artist and the special effects that goes into making some of these amazing films. Uh, So I will talk about The the Thing uh, and the masterpiece that it is at a later date. And regards to, you know, the effects that we're talking about, like, holy fuck. Like, they are literally the best. When I mean the best, I'm not over exaggerating. I genuinely think they're the greatest special effects put in a film of all time. And I'm pretty sure that's a scientific fact. I mean, probably. I watch The Thing a lot, and I mean a lot. Why? Because it's got a great story, great sound, music, great directing, obviously, and great performances. But the main aspect of what stands out for me every time I watch it is the effects. Not only are they absolutely fucking phenomenal, there's shitloads of them. From the dolls getting fucked up and like having these weird fucking tentacles coming out their face, to the guy trying to hit all those high notes out in the snow, uh, to the blood test. I mean, that's like one bench I would never want to sit on. And then you obviously got the actual thing at the end. But there's a scene in that movie, and you know what scene I'm on about, that takes it next level. It was more incredible than anything that's come before it, and for me still to this day, anything that's come since. Doc gets his hands torn off by a fucking belly with teeth. The guy's head comes off, which which looks amazing, and there's all this fucking green goop and pus and shit, with the amazing facial expressions on the animal sort of matronic face that it, whatever it is. You know, and, and Then it fucking comes off the table and then grows legs just before Kurt Russell fires that bitch up. It is an absolute masterclass of that craft. Uh, And to this day is the example of how to fucking do special effects. For me, The Thing, you know, is one of those films that anyone who wants to do effects in a movie, you know, watch The Thing and shut up and tell George to piss off as well. Because nothing comes better than than that the effects in that movie rob botting you beautiful bearded man i love you and that's that you know there's so many more special effects artists over time in the past and working now that i could talk about and they deserve so much credit for the work that they do so overall how important are special effects artists I mean, they're integral to every aspect that they work on for the film. You, you think about the films that I've mentioned, uh, you know, Predator, Evil Dead films, The Thing. What would they be without these people putting in the hard work that they do to create the effects that drive the film forward and the story and the narrative and create this world that we've never seen before? Whether it's a monster movie or a gore movie with a shit ton of blood. A character piece that needs these special effects to complete the envisioned look. You know, they need these artists and still need these artists. They are visual gods. They're able to see what we don't or create things that we don't want to see. They're amazing. You know, we are in awe of what we see on screens because of them and because of their work. So many of my personal earliest memories of horror uh, are mostly, you know, all visual and the effects from The Thing, you know, Freddy Krueger, Candyman, how they look. You've got Chucky from Chance Play. You know, how they make all this work is amazing. And there's so many, diff- diff- you know, difficult technical side of, uh, you know, the special effects or, you know, the basic stuff as well. You know, it all is incredible. It all works and they do it to, to enhance the experience of watching the film. You think of the look of the aliens, Linda Blair and her and head rotating in The Exorcist, all the zombies from Night of the Living Dead and the universal monsters from way back, Pinhead and his best mates from Hellraiser. You know, the list goes on and on of what these special effects artists have managed to create. But I think the main point that I'm, I'm trying to make is that many of these films that I've talked about are considered classic, not just within our genre that we're talking about but in films in general. But they would not have this impact on us now or in our childhood without the, you know, the work of these incredible artists that work so hard on these films, um, you know, to ultimately help you remember the film and remember the work and they don't get enough credit for it in the limelight, so to speak. You know we know the directors and we know the actors and actresses and sometimes we know the people who do the music to these films but there's so much that goes into them how much do we really know about the people who do that and that's what I really wanted to show a bit of light on is these incredible people that over the span of horror have helped create what they have and without them we wouldn't have it. So next time you watch a film Uh, You know, and you think that, you know, whatever you're watching is fucking sick in in all ways that that word means. Find out who did it. Hit them up or just do some research on them. You know, give them a post if they've got social media. You know, just give them a big well done for help bringing the film to life and making it more than it may have not been. Because through special effects, you know, without them, films could be a really, really fucking boring place. And now with that done, I'm guessing I'll do a very short review. Review time. So I'm going to do a review for a film uh, that most people have probably never seen or heard of. I know I didn't. Um, I didn't know anything about it until it just popped up. And I thought, you know, why not? Why not give it a go? I'll watch any other shit, so why not something else? Um, so I'm going to do a review on a film called Driven. Uh, So the film follows uh, a cab driver slash Uber driver, whatever you want to call her, uh, played by Casey Dillard. Um, And she picks up a mysterious passenger played by Richard Sprite, Sprite, once again, I can't pronounce his name, from Supernatural fame. And at first, he's a bit of a douchebag, you know, and she she, uh, she has no no time for his shit at all. But he's basically um, pretty much trying to save the world from demons invading it. Uh, so she tags along for the ride. Why the fuck not? Now I can see why people may not see or know about this film. I mean, it's super low budget, but it's mostly spent in a car, so it doesn't really affect it. It doesn't need a big Hollywood budget because of that. And the music sort of aids its low budgetness. But you should get over that shit and just watch it. I really enjoyed this cheap little sort of three thrill ride. It's great chemistry between the actors, great performances. Um, And Richard Sprite, 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 whatever his name is, is always, um, you know, a sarcastic pleasure. But the script and the story really help those characters move along on a very entertaining quest, I would call it. Um, I think, you know, it's it's an enjoyable film. It's available on Amazon Prime. And if you're doing the usual and have no idea what the fuck to watch and have a spare 90 odd minutes um, to sit back and really sort of enjoy something a little bit different, different from the normal then what's driven it's definitely way better than what i thought it was be or what it was originally um what i originally thought it was going to be it's a good little character um film uh you know once again it's, it's pretty cheap but it's genuinely enjoyable and the performances drive that if you want if you want to just chill out it's a good film for that so i would i would give that 3.5 out of 5 So that was my short review of the film Driven. Um, If you want to see it, go see it. If you don't, I mean, you're not missing too much, but it's worth it. And now, uh, as I always do, I move on to all the social shit. So as I always do... um, At the end of the podcast, I talk about um, everything that I've been sort of uploading and the communication I've had with you guys over our social media pages. Um, We've now got Twitter. We've still got Facebook. But the most prominent one that I use will be Instagram. So let's talk horror podcast on Instagram. Uh, Go give us a follow you know, um, get involved, you know, because I'm I'm trying to have as much fun as I can and also communicate with you about any new things or anything I've done recently in regards to horror. Um, So, yeah, come give us a follow. One of the things, obviously, I really do enjoy is communicating with you all and having a little bit of fun. Uh, And on my Instagram page, I uh, are doing quite a lot of polls and quizzes, so I'm going to go through uh, some of those that I've done with you. Something I put up was what you think is the best Samara-weaving performance uh, out of Ready or Not by uh, The Babysitter and Mayhem. Both, all three really good films. Uh, Mayhem was actually bought better than what I thought it was going to be. The Babysitter, I absolutely love, and Ready or Not, exactly the same. I love that as well. Uh, And out of all those, you voted for Ready or Not to be her best performance. One of the other things I put up is which do I prefer? So what film out of the films on this list do you think that I prefer? Uh, I put on The Thing, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. And to be honest, you all chose the right one. So The Thing is going to be my favourite film out of those four. Are you excited for the Rob Zombie Monsters movie? Which is one of the other ones. Um, and it was very, very close, but the majority said yes, Um, which actually surprised me quite a bit um, that there was a lot of people that thought no. But then at the same time, you know, I think it's people were looking more in terms of relevance to his films that he's made because, in all honesty, as much as I like Rob Zombie musically um, and I think he's a very good visual director, I've only really enjoyed... Devil's Rejects, which you know, which is absolutely amazing horror film, and it was it was really strange because it was so different to House of a Thousand Corpses that it felt more like an actual film rather than a music video, which is what I thought of House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, but also, I did quite like the his version of of Halloween and his reboot of Halloween. Um, but I can see why a lot of people wouldn't like it. And I'm not saying any it's anywhere near the original. But I still enjoyed it. But overall, his films, you know, are very visual. But sometimes lack any form of proper substance. And, you know, he uses the same old people in his films. And they don't always give the greatest performances. But saying that, I can't really think of many other people out there that I'd want to do the monsters. Because he act, he absolutely loves the monsters he loves them he's got you know props at home from it um he's you know visual style especially in um hell deluxe and the videos are very sort of um a bit like the monsters and so on with dragula car and stuff so i think he's probably the right person to do it if we're going to you know look at getting somebody who actually knows about what it is and and who the character are rather than just getting someone who doesn't know anything about it and hoping for the best. So I think as long as he can sort of tone back the Rob Zombie side of it and actually pay homage to the monsters uh, as well as going forward in the right way, I do actually think it could be pretty good. Uh, One of the other things I did was uh, do you add Predator to a horror collection? And uh, everyone voted for yes on that one. There was a couple of people that said no. Um, to be honest, that question and, and the next question are mostly sort of like for me really um, because, you know, Predator to me, I would still add it to a horror collection but it's definitely more so more like a sci-fi action film. But I can't see why you wouldn't add it to horror regarding the, the elements that are in the film itself. So I'm I'm happy that uh, you guys have also said that it can be put in my uh, horror collection. And once again, this is pretty much personally for me that I put up on there. Um, But can you class Donnie Darko as a horror film? And the majority said yes. And that's once again good for me because it now means that Donnie Darko can not only be my favourite film of all time... It is also my favourite horror film of all time which is really good for me to say because uh, it's always difficult for me to figure out or if anybody asks me what overall is your favourite horror of all time. So if I can turn around and say Donnie Darko for everything it just makes my life a heck of a lot easier. And that's that. That is the fourth episode all about the special effects and the people behind it as much as I can do within a podcast. Um, But I thought... It would be pretty interesting to do. And as I said earlier, shines a little bit of light on some of the people um, who have spent years and years crafting the work that they've done and putting it in the films that we watch and I think sometimes gets a little bit looked over when we're watching it in awe quite often. We never then think of anything more of it. And for me personally, I always... Do And when I'm watching a film, every element has to make sense and using uh, special effects, if, if they can add to the film and add to the performances and everything that it does, you know, they've done their job and they deserve to be rewarded with our utmost respect. And like I said earlier, let's face it, if we didn't have special effects, we wouldn't have the films we've got in the past and the films that are coming out now. We wouldn't have the memories and the visual memories and so on that we've got you know it wouldn't be anything near what it is without these amazing people doing what they have done and continue to do so next time you're sitting there with a glass of your favorite beverage raise it in the air and give a little salute a little nod to all those amazing special effects artists out there working in the past and working in the present Because all we can do is thank him for giving us everything that we've had. So, and for everybody else out there, stay safe, stay weird, and keep creepy.